It's a morning in September 1999. SpongeBob has aired on Nickelodeon for the first time, and the Slim Shady LP has been released to the world. You're in Takamura, Japan, looking around one of the local markets, when suddenly... Hello everybody, welcome back to the Under the Sun podcast, it's episode 10, and after 10 weeks of podcast, it's been, and I've been here for everyone, unlike Harvey, but it's been a, it's been a good one, uh, it's been a good, good, good 10 weeks, and uh, today, it's my solo episode, and uh, I'm going to be telling you all the story, uh, it's going to be the general, general what happened and then uh, the fallout, and I'm going to be zooming in on one of the the main victims of the story. And uh, it, we're going to start off on a pretty serious note, which is we recorded last Monday. I'm recording this on Tuesday the 10th of August. And last Monday, we recorded episode 9. And since that episode... Isaac has tested positive for COVID-19. And so me and all the other boys, we've been taking precautions. We're all isolating. I'm isolating until the 13th of uh, August. And hopefully, hopefully everything will be okay. Because next Tuesday, a week from today, we're meant to be going to Scotland. And uh, hopefully... We will have an episode recorded in Scotland to put out next week. So, we're going to get straight into the story, really. And as you heard in my um, little intro, it's the 30th, 30th of September 1999. And uh, if you listen to the last episode, I gave you a little teaser. Because this is the worst nuclear accident before Fukushima, in which happened in 2011, but this happened in uh, 1999. Um, so we start off in a JCO uh, plant, a nuclear plant. Now, it wasn't uh, a plant that generated power, but it created fuel rods for the other power plants. And uh, I've got um, basically how how all of this happened and uh, like how they, how they would make the fuel rods needed. And it was, they would convert uranium hexafluoride into uranium dioxide. And the approved concentration of uranium was 5%. Okay. All the stuff that works to this day were untrained. None of them had been trained. I think, the plant had been shut for around three years and it had opened up again recently. And so there was no dedicated trained staff. Uh, the people that were affected uh, mainly by this, I mean, the whole community was affected, but like the people in the room were Hisashi Awuchi, who we're going to talk about today, because he's like the main, the main victim of this all. Uh, Yutaka Yukakawa and Masato Shinohara, and uh, on the day, the 30th of September, the plant was behind 
on an order of fuel rods. And so they uh, were pressured by the company, by JCO, to complete the task as quickly as possible. The process when integrating uh, the fuel rods was uranium was dissolved in nitric acid in a thing called a dissolution tank. This was then pumped into a thing called a buffer tank, which is like a tall cylinder, and then it would be slowly transferred again into a bigger tank called a precipitation tank, where it would be slowly mechanically stirred. All of this was designed to stop the mixture from growing critical. And JCO, the company in charge of the plant and all of this, had modified the mixture before, but the um, modified how all this happened before, so that mixture could be stirred by hand. This was very, very illegal and against Japan's nuclear regulations. Due to the pressure that the technicians were under on this day, they modified what they had to do even more. Now they were using uranium concentration of 18%, which is more than three times three times the approved concentration that was safe. And instead of it going through all this long task of going through the buffer tank, it was poured directly into the precipitation tank by hand. And at 10.35 a.m. on the 30th of September, the radiation alarm sounded. And the 40 litres of mixture that, was, that had been made this day was starting to create enough heat to sustain its own nuclear chain reaction, which is a very, very bad thing. And the amount of radiation a worker can be subjected to in one year is 20 millisieverts. The lethal amount is 5,000. Oh, Mr. Awuchi, who is who I'm going to be talking about today, he was exposed to 17,000 millisieverts of radiation once the mixture had gone critical. And the workers, they'd reported seeing blue flashing lights shooting out. Gamma radiation was shot directly at Awuchi and Shinohara. And uh, Awuchi instantly fell sick. He went into uh, like a, a locker, locker room, like a changing room, and was sick all over the floor. And uh, before we get into what happened to Mr. Awuchi, in the 83 days after that he spent in hospital, um, I want to talk about the fallout from this event. So after this had happened, JCO made no public statement or anything and um, authorities had to basically take over and every every citizen that was within six miles of the plant had to be tested that's over 10,000 people had to be tested within days of days of all this happening and for JCO to first of all go against um, government regulations, which at that point, before this point, there had been no accidents, but an accident was bound to happen 
especially once they've approved workers mixing uranium and nitric acid in a steel bucket. That's stupid. And this caused 83 days of severe pain to just one person. Okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say basically everything that happened to him. So after this had happened, he was transferred to the University of Tokyo Hospital. And because, um, because of the radiation, his chromosomes had been mutated and he could no longer produce new cells. And uh, because he had a backup amount of cells that had been produced before this, his outward appearance at the start was healthy. He seemed healthy. He just seemed a little under the weather. And one of the doctors has come out after and said she believed that she could send him home the next day. And obviously that didn't happen because within a few days, his bank of cells started to disappear and his white blood cell count lowered to 10% of the healthy amount. And this would happen many times over his stay in the hospital, which you'll hear about. Because they tried this new experimental treatment called a stem cell transplant. And his sister was the perfect match for uh, his stem cells. So they gave him the transplant. And it was the first time it had ever been done in the world. And they had to wait 10 days before finding out if it had worked. After the 10 days, they looked under the microscope and they saw healthy cells. So the transplant had worked and his body could now produce more cells. But less than a week later, his condition began to deteriorate again. This confused the doctors because less than a week ago, he was producing ha more cells and he was, he was fine. But now it's all gone again. And they looked and the radiation in his body was so high that it had caused the new chromosomes to also malform. And so it would, it would deteriorate his condition so much, his skin would start to just fall off. Medical tape was banned against him because it would rip chunks of his skin off. And the doctors, trying to save his life because he was bleeding so much, he wouldn't, he wouldn't stop losing fluids. They tried drugs and it didn't work because they would come straight back out of his system because he was losing so many fluids. The doctors began to perform skin grafts on Obuchi with lab-cultured skin, and they would just fall straight off because of all the, all the fluid, that, all the blood that he was losing. They'd wrap him in bandages, and within hours, he'd be completely soaked in blood. And fluid would start to build up in his lungs. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't talk. The doctors, hearing Awuchi speak to his wife and say that he loved her so much, put off putting him on a respirator just so they could talk a little bit longer. But eventually, he couldn't breathe on his own. He had to have a, a machine keeping him breathing, keeping him alive. 
And because of the amount of blood he would lose, he'd have to have as much as 10 blood transfusions a day. And this left his heart beating at 120 beats per minute constantly for days and days, for hours and hours. And the strain on his heart was intense, so much that he suffered cardiac arrest. Now in Japan, there's a thing called a do not resuscitate order. And the family have to sign this, which basically decides that um, if his heart stopped, the doctors couldn't resuscitate him. But with no do not resuscitate order, and the family asking the doctors to do whatever they can to save Iwuchi, they tried to revive him. And they managed to start his heart again before it would stop again. And this happened three times before returning to a regular rate, despite this still being so, so fast. His immune system would soon fail, meaning that even a common cold could kill him. And then his immune system would start attacking his healthy cells, which soon left him with no blood cells, and it was starting to deteriorate him even more. And on the 81st night, the head doctor, looking after Awuchi, gathered all of his family together and said that if Awuchi was to suffer another cardiac arrest, he should not be revived. And the family agreed and signed the do not resuscitate order. And on the 83rd day, his wife and child visited him and saw him for the last time. Because on the 83rd night, his heart stopped and he passed away. Now in the years since, the doctors looking after Awuchi has faced a lot of criticism due to the fact that they kept him alive for so long, despite him begging, well, in reports, begging to die. And the doctors put it best themselves. They were just trying to save Mr. Awuchi. And with the family wanting to keep him alive, they had no choice but to. And the doctors truly did try all they could to save Mr. Awuchi. But after 83 days, it just wasn't enough. Now that story is a, a really tough one. Like it's, it's an interesting story that a man uh, who faced so much radiation would survive for 83 days and the impact it had on his body and it is it's a it's a sad story but um i'm glad i told it to you all today and you all know uh, a little bit more and i hope uh, my solo episode lived up to everyone's expectations um i know it's a much shorter episode I'd actually recorded uh, a version of this before which was 20 minutes long and this one's uh, I'm about 15 and a half minutes in right now so it's a bit shorter than it was before but uh, yeah I hope you all enjoyed it um, I don't think I need a final thoughts with John today because you've all heard way too much of me and uh, hopefully 
You'll get an episode from us next week, episode week 11 of the podcast, 10 long weeks of the podcast, and there have been 10 good weeks. And I hope you enjoyed. Um, I think that's all I have to say, really. But, uh, yeah, I'll see you guys soon, and uh, bye.